Thanks for tuning in to this multi-part series on aliens and UFOs. This is a pretty long episode, so feel free to save or download the episode and you can listen to it in different pieces. Also, check out my other songs and podcasts on sports legends, music legends, and American legends. Alright, let's get started. Many of us sometimes wonder if we are alone in the universe. The universe is too vast and probabilities are so high, or are they, that life in some form must exist elsewhere. Then why haven't we found life yet? We'll explore something called Fermi's Paradox and attempt to analyze whether such a paradox is really a paradox after all. We'll also cover some of the technologies being used and built to help us discover any life close enough to Earth to detect. For example, one of the primary routes being used by scientists to identify signatures of other intelligent life is by analyzing radio waves in order to find a particular signature or pattern which we could conceivably construe as a message. By one estimate from Time Magazine, we could find extraterrestrial life by 2040, given how quickly we're able to process the data from these inbound radio waves and all the AI technology coming online to facilitate that. That's the same year as a new U.S. presidential election, just in time for a Martian to run as an independent third-party candidate. In this multi-part podcast series, we're going to cover number one, what is intelligent life anyways? How do we define it? Number two, what is the Drake equation and how does it help us understand the probabilities of whether there is extraterrestrial life in our Milky Way galaxy or beyond? Number three, what is Fermi paradox, which is the paradox that if there are aliens or extraterrestrial life, why haven't we heard from them yet? Number four, what are UFOs? And number five, how are aliens and UFOs portrayed in Hollywood? Alright, what is intelligent life anyways? There's been an extraordinary amount of research and research dollars pouring into the identification of UFOs. However, UFOs should not be confused with extraterrestrial life. UFOs are simply unidentified flying objects. There's a not-so-subtle difference between extraterrestrial life and unidentified objects flying in ranges common for drones and airplanes, including military aircraft, they're not immediately recognizable on our radar screens, or might even be new military technology from our country or other countries. The question of extraterrestrial life itself might be broken into several components of how we categorize life in the first place. For instance, we might think of intelligence on a gradient of intelligence relative to life forms that we humans recognize. We could organize these levels of intelligence in a few different buckets. Number one, non-intelligent or low-intelligence life. Number two, semi-intelligent life. Number three, intelligent life. Number four, super-intelligent life. And number five, tongue-in-cheek, super-duper intelligent life. Category number one, non-intelligent or low-intelligence life. Acknowledging the subjectivity of these categories, as well as the limitless number of possible subdivisions of intelligence, this category of life form might be akin to single-cell organisms like bacteria, viruses, and plants and vegetation such as trees, with some limited ability to communicate with their species, as well as the capability to take over other host organisms or environments. 
For instance, some scientists say that plants and trees in particular have the ability to send messages to fellow trees and other life forms within their ecosystems through chemical signals. When there are fires in a region or other air pollutants, some trees emit chemical signals notifying trees hundreds of miles away of imminent danger. These signals are recognized by trees and some plants, which can then modify their behavior to some degree by releasing protective chemicals or modifying their intake and consumption of air and even altering their own photosynthesis processes. Beyond our own planet and touching a bit on the origin of life here on Earth, there's been large amounts of frozen ice already identified on Mars, which might have been liquid water previously. Life might have already existed and gone extinct already on Mars or on other planets, given the billions of years of time that have elapsed already in our own solar system. For reference, Earth is estimated to be 4.5 billion years old. NASA's Curiosity rover, for instance, has even uncovered the remains of a freshwater lake that existed only a few million years ago on Mars. Perhaps Martian bacteria even seeded bacterial life here on Earth, carried here by asteroids billions of years ago. Category number two, semi-intelligent life, which may be similar to animals here on Earth. For example, pigs are surprisingly some of the most social animals on planet Earth. See Charlotte's Web by E.B. White for confirmatory evidence. No, really, pigs are some of the most social animals we know. They have some of the most complex emotional ranges. Most animals here on Earth are able to communicate with their own kind to some degree. Whales sing to one another thousands of miles away and are thought to even tell stories with these songs. Various insects trade messages through their antennae. Dogs bark, cats meow. Are there messages being transferred among them outside our own understanding? Perhaps, I'd venture to say likely. Category number three of intelligent life, we'll call our baseline level, or that akin to humans. Our complex communication patterns enabled Homo sapiens to defeat and inbreed with Neanderthals just a few tens of thousands of years ago. Neanderthals went extinct approximately 50,000 years ago. Their rapid extinction happened between 35 and 50,000 years ago. Think about it, that's not that long ago. It occurred after modern humans, or Homo sapiens, settled into the tropical regions of Europe and Asia between 40 and 60,000 years ago. Human communication and creativity have engendered a slew of religions all over the world, ranging from the imaginative to the fantastical to everything in between. Henry Gent won't venture to argue which religion might be right, but simply wants to point out that there are many religions and the human mind is responsible for creating many of them. Aside from religion, think about creative concepts like art or money, sports and football teams, and nations. We've been painting in caves for tens of thousands of years. The oldest known paintings are approximately 40,000 years old, found in caves in Indonesia. We've been trading goods and services since the dawn of human civilization using the concept of money and creating and altering territorial boundaries of nations for just as many. 
Concepts like money and credit facilitate the global communication of humans through commerce and help fuel growth and technological advances. Art facilitates global human expression through symbolism and other beautiful patterns envisioned by the artist or a musician. Sports and football teams help unify people of a particular region. Nations help bring people of a common culture and or language together. These concepts require a high degree of intelligence, which has separated humans from other forms of life here on Earth and allowed our kind to dominate the planet like no other life form to date. Category of life number four, superintelligent life. Superintelligent life might constitute life forms out there that are slightly more intelligent than human beings. These life forms might physically look like blue dominoes or orange bubbles for all we know, but their civilizations might be thought of as either being millions of years advanced from our modern day civilizations or might simply be more highly developed with more complex communication systems. For instance, perhaps all of their particular species might be able to seamlessly communicate with one another through mind signals or some other form of chemical signals akin to trees that we talked about earlier with a richness that exceeds human language many-fold. This category of superintelligent life form likely inhabit their own planet or perhaps solar system, but have not yet ventured out of their solar systems as they might not have developed a way to extend their biological lives or travel at the speed of light or faster, which would be required for interplanetary travel. Finally, the highest bucket of intelligent life will categorize, again tongue-in-cheek, as super-duper intelligent life. This category of possible life exceeds human intelligence many-fold. These life forms would likely have an ability to communicate with species beyond their own kind, both on their host planet or planets, as well as with life forms on nearby and not-so-nearby planets like ours. This category of life form is the only category that's relevant to Fermi Paradox. Fermi Paradox is the paradox that if there is intelligent life out there, why hasn't this intelligent life already reached out to us humans here on Earth? Even if these life forms have a much higher degree of intelligence than humans, they might not yet have been able to extend their biological lives by millions of years in order to reach us where they might not have been able to achieve spaceflight at the speed of light or beyond and are focused on other activities. Another explanation for the Fermi paradox, which again is the paradox that if there is intelligent life out there, why hasn't this intelligent life already reached out to us humans here on Earth? And is that life may have already existed at different points in time in the past across our universe and may exist in the future, long after humans are gone. The Drake Equation the Drake Equation was developed by the astrophysicist Frank Drake, who chairs the SETI Institute in California. The SETI Institute stands for the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence Institute. The Drake Equation attempts to estimate the number of advanced civilizations in our own galaxy, the Milky Way. Drake uses simple probabilities to help organize our obviously true ignorance of the truth on whether extraterrestrial life exists. For instance, he estimates the number of life forms based on the number of habitable planets. The number of habitable planets is simply a percentage range of the total planets. The total number of planets is based on the number of stars in our galaxy. Of course, the number of galaxies is an extraordinary figure. 
which by many estimates is still growing, even exponentially. Each sub-possibility, number of galaxies, number of stars, number of solar systems, number of Earth-like planets, etc., is a derivative of the other. The actual Drake equation formula is defined as n, or the number of civilizations which humans could communicate, equals the mean rate of star formation times the fraction of stars that have planets. times the average number of planets that could support life per star with planets, times the fraction of life-supporting planets that developed life, times the fraction of planets with life where life develops intelligence, times the fraction of intelligent civilizations that develop communication complex enough to communicate with us, times the average length of time that civilizations can communicate pretty simple, huh? Try listening to that again, writing it down, and thinking about it. What is the universe made of, anyway? Well, the most abundant elements in the universe happen to be nitrogen, helium, oxygen, neon, nitrogen, and magnesium. The atmospheres of foreign planets include a broad mix and range of these common elements, as well as many not-so-common elements. While we might imagine other life forms being composed of carbon like us, there's no requirement for it. Humans are composed of around 12% carbon, which helps form body components like muscle, and fats, and proteins. Other life forms may be composed of 5% carbon, or 25% carbon, or some other ratio entirely. It's notable that carbon is a key component of DNA and RNA which may improve the likelihood of diversity and genetic mutation leading to development over time. Maybe the super-intelligent life forms out there are composed of two or three times the amount of carbon as we are. These life forms might have super-DNA and RNA made out of much more carbon than our DNA. This would enable these life forms to develop and evolve much quicker than we've been able to evolve here on Earth. We now have evidence that there is a significant amount of water on Mars, which is a simple planet within our own tiny solar system. In fact, there's enough frozen ice that's already been detected on the surface of Mars to cover the entire Martian planet with water to a depth of over 100 feet, or 30 meters, if the surface of Mars were a bit hotter, which it might have been previously. There's also a significant amount of water trapped in the form of ice beneath a layer of frozen carbon dioxide on Mars's south pole. In terms of the total number of solar systems and stars that we've been able to detect so far, NASA estimates that there are 10 to 100 billion solar systems in our Milky Way galaxy alone, which is a very common galaxy. Scientists have already discovered 500 of these solar systems with current telescopes such as the Kepler Space Telescope. Assuming there are 10 planets per solar system, there are 100 billion to 1 trillion planets in our galaxy alone. UFOs in Hollywood UFOs are simply unidentified flying objects and do not signify aliens but seem to take up a lot of oxygen on the subject of extraterrestrial life. For instance, the New York Times dropped a bombshell in 2017 
that acknowledged a $22 million program run out of the Pentagon for identifying various UFOs. Rumors about Area 51 have been turned into endless TV series like The X-Files and major Hollywood blockbusters like Independence Day with Will Smith, Bill Pullman, and Jeff Goldblum. There's even a sequel of Independence Day called Resurgence, but it's not very good. Personally, I believe UFOs are simply common spacecraft viewed from weird camera angles, along with diverse atmospheric gases and debris obfuscating the images themselves, rather than aliens flying around on saucers, visiting and surveilling us lesser beings. Perhaps I'm wrong, and they are surveilling us, like ants running around on our little hills, going to our funny little meetings, and doing our funny little yoga spin and hit classes. U.S. presidents have increased the attention of things like Area 51 with Barack Obama even being coy about Area 51 in the presence of aliens, going as far as mentioning to Stephen Colbert that he even personally asked about the presence of UFOs while in office. Love him or hate him, Donald Trump has also been a big proponent of space exploration and taking a controlling presence in the sky through the U.S. Space Force. There's also a modern era space race going on between Elon Musk and SpaceX, Jeff Bezos' company called Blue Origin, and Richard Branson's company called Virgin Galactic. But Elon Musk has a very big lead as of 2021. You can also check out my other episode on Elon Musk and his top 20 lessons for success in life. Just search for Henry Gentz Music or Henry Gentz Podcasts on any music streaming service or podcast app. Whether or not there are actually aliens out there is anyone's guess. We can rely on science and probabilities to some degree to quantify to a small degree what we know and what we don't know. However, even if we're able to appropriately categorize what we know and what we don't know as in the Drake equation, that would only include the known knowns and the known unknowns. What about the unknown unknowns? How many unknown unknowns are there anyway? Your guess is as good as mine. Thanks so much for tuning in to this podcast episode. Would really appreciate it if you share this podcast with friends, family, or colleagues who you think might be interested in aliens, extraterrestrial life, or maybe you just want to prove to them that there are other life forms out there. Also, feel free to check out my other episodes on American legends, music legends, and sports legends. All right, guys, take care. Bye.